All right, welcome back, everybody, to The Defectives. This is episode number 25, right? How about that? Yeah, that's a long time. <laughs> 25 <laughs> weeks. Man. Is what? Four times six? Like, six, over six, like months. six months. Yeah. That's a lot. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. No um, math majors here. Failed <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. uh, And that distinctive voice you just heard is our special guest this evening, uh, a dear friend of ours. Uh, Chris Brennan. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. There you go. I think I had to be up anyway. There you go. Um, if you've listened to us for... a little closer to you. Sorry, I'm going to get you some. If Probably should have uh, done this beforehand, but... <laughs> if you've listened to us at all, you've, you've heard us mention that name in some format, uh, and uh, we were finally able to get him out here. And we're very excited about that because uh, this man um, has a lot of beautiful information uh, and a lot of amazing experiences to share off of that. Um, when I've talked about him, it's, I've talked about him in the realm of uh, when I first met him in the rehab. And uh, he gave me some truth about what I suffered from. It's a very good story. Yeah. Um, and he, it's one of those things where... I don't expect five years later to uh, still, actually it's been longer than five years. I think we met at the last week of July in 2017. So like you said earlier. Not that you're keeping score. No, nah, no. Nah. Well, I mean, it's. <laughs> get a little nervous over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, there's no way I expect him to still be in my life today uh, in the manner that he is. I figure here's this guy, this is his job and this is what he does. And, and now all of a sudden, uh, we get to come at it from this format, you know, um, which is crazy to me, you know. Yeah. 2017 was a lifetime ago, dude. Mm. <laughs> lifetime. I was dying still. You were just barely not dying. <laughs> I was like just going off a cliff in 2017. So my question to you is when did you go off your cliff? Um to the end well my sobriety date hi everybody my name is chris brennan recovered alcoholic my sobriety date is 3394 so in what, next week friday Ooh. i'll have uh 29 years Damn, so next one's that? the big one <laughs> next one's the big one um so everything up to 3294 i went off the deep end <laughs> I grew up in uh, Southwest Philadelphia and uh, just a normal, in my mind, Irish Catholic, uh, played a lot of sports, drinking uh, after we graduated high school, uh, hanging on the corner, uh, perfectly normal, didn't think much about it for a number of years, uh, got a job as a runner at the uh, Philadelphia Stock Exchange which is like a small version of the New York Stock Exchange. People don't even realize it ever existed. It's not even there anymore. It's gone, but it was there. There was one in Chicago, one in San Fran, and one in Philadelphia, as well as New York. And uh, I did well there for a number of years. Uh, I guess alcoholism and drug addiction was progressing. I wouldn't have called it that. I didn't know that. And uh, at 30 years old... 
the uh, poop hit the fan, as you might say. (laughs) And I did what all heroes do. I moved in with mom and dad. Yeah. In uh, wherever they were living, they had moved by now, and I lived in their basement. I'd like to tell you that woke me up. I got thrown out of <clears throat> Wall Street. They said, "Don't bother coming back," and they meant it. And I owed everybody and their mother money and did a lot of damage. But I moved in with mom and dad, and that was just the beginning of the end. Mm. I got introduced to the poppy, and the next four years was really bad on the streets, waiting to die. And I ended up in a treatment center in Philadelphia called Riverside House. It's not there anymore. And uh, it was an old, uh, it looked like the Adams Family House. There's um, nothing fancy about it. There was no uh, Egyptian cotton or big screen TVs (laughs) or anything to speak of. And um, I met a guy who was the night counselor there, who was a former Philadelphia policeman who was talking like we tend to talk about this stuff, like no other man I ever heard in my life. And I asked him to be my sponsor. He still is to this day, uh, 29 years later. But that was it. And I got hooked on a book called Alcoholics Anonymous, as well as the meetings. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. I love it. Mm. What, um, how did you end up at RCA? I don't know that I know that. How did you end up working for them? I think about 2016 and then for a few years before that, we're in Tom's River, New Jersey tonight. And I did a lot of, uh, throw it up. I did a lot, a lot of warm up. Am I not supposed to say that? No, 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 no. That's funny. Um, I did a lot of work around this way (laughs) and all over the place over years but in 2016, I just by chance, like everything else, got a, I ran into so a friend of mine had worked for RCA and the owner called me out of the blue. Uh, one day I was in my car mm. and he just started screaming. I, didn't, I never met the man and his reputation precedes him. He's a he's a high energy guy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but that's okay. I can handle it. I'm used to that. Yeah. I am a Wall Street guy, and uh, he just started screaming, "Get up into my office!" He was in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Get into my office. Why? Well, I would need to talk to you. What do you do? I need you. What do you do? <laughs> and I started laughing. I said, "I don't do anything, sir. What are you talking about? I don't do nothing. I don't." I said, "I'm a free agent right now. I don't do anything." And. Uh, through a series of events, uh, he challenged me. I said he was opening these really nice rehabs, which is where I met you guys through that. And um, he, he said, uh, I said, if you're going to hire me, you got to make up a title. So we came up with chief recovery officer. And I said, you have a CFO, so make me the chief recovery officer <laughs> and let me teach 12-step theory in your places and that's how we started doing that lighthouse where i met darren was the first place out of all of them that we started doing that i had dabbled with a few places before that yeah and uh wasn't sure if i wanted to do it but i love doing it so it wasn't a matter of not enjoying that it's just sometimes it's the square peg in the round hole yeah uh, especially when it comes to the treatment industry uh i have some 
uh, closed-minded. They tell me thoughts <laughs> on that issue. I am a big book enthusiast, and uh, but I've still been doing that, and I love it, and hopefully I'll do it, uh, screaming it from the mountaintops till the day I die. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's uh, that's funny about the the Brian phone call. Um, the so here you are. You mentioned the fact that you were Irish Catholic, right? Or raised that. Um, when you were at when you were doing Wall Street, was there any sort of religion still in your life at that point, or had you just turned completely to work and play? Yeah, I, I wasn't um, atheist or. When I got sober after doing a little research, I identified myself as a lazy agnostic. I, I just didn't like, I didn't think about it from, yeah. I, I wasn't mad at God or anything. Yeah. Um, I was hiding from God with some of my behaviors, you know, so I wasn't on that level. But even from, it's probably, it traces back to probably to the same, exactly the time about 16 years old in a playground in Southwest Philadelphia, born and raised, right? <laughs> Man, way before Will Smith's time, right? I drank something called Tequila Sunrise, and I didn't need God anymore. Yeah. I was God. Yep. I wouldn't have called it that, yeah. but as it turns out, you either have a God or you become God, and that was earth-shattering news for me. <laughs> Uh, um, so here you are, you're, you're in this, uh, kind of Adams family like place. You meet a, did you say it was an ex cop? Former Philadelphia For, police, former yeah. cop. Um, and so is that where you, is, was, has this been your bravado all the time? I, I've, it's been this, this is how you've been since I've known you very, uh, very outgoing and very passionate about your thing. So is this something that's developed over time? Uh, or was this how you were introduced to recovery from him? Like, was was it was he loud and boisterous? <laughs> I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely, you should. Yeah, he was, as it turns out. <clears throat> but I didn't really know anything about that. Um, coincidentally, when I got out of there after 28 days. He got sick. He found he went for a uh, job interview or something, and just through a routine test, he found out he was sick. Mm. So I didn't see him for like the next eight to ten months. Mm. So I got sober, like a lot of guys back then, at a clubhouse in Philadelphia, Stepping Stones. Okay. My heart will always be there. I don't believe I'd be here today without those guys. There wasn't a whole lot of step work going on. They'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. It was all a kind of, you'll know and you'll figure it out. Because this idea of what we've been doing for many, many years, studying this book, was unheard of. Nobody really did it. But I did go. I fell in love with the meeting side of AA right away. Um, God had taken everything from me. So he had my full attention, yeah. as it turns out. And uh, I went to three meetings a day religiously for my first year. And then through a series of events, he came back to the meetings and I started to hear some speakers, Joe and Charlie, Sandy B, Bob D, guys like that. I started to hear all around the same time, I would say somewhere at about 10 months to a year sober after making a lot of the mistakes you shouldn't make, right? <laughs> Just imagine. And, uh, 
I was grateful. <laughs> My heart will always be there, but I don't know where that was going to go. I was getting a little testy. I yeah. tend to get a little rammy. After. I do good for the story of my life. I do good for a while, but once the shine wears off and whatever, I, I don't know where all that would have led. Yeah. But I'm glad I didn't have to find out. Yeah, not good. Yeah, definitely not. I was definitely the same way, man. Once like the the big pal would wind would uh, wear off, done. I'm out. I'm back to what I know, and what I know was just chaos and and fucking misery. <clears throat> so that was '94. Jesus Christ, I was four years old. I was four <laughs> years old, dude. I remember you from the meeting. <laughs> I wish I was in there. Four would have saved me a, a lot of pain and suffering for sure. Oh man. So so once you found this um call it God centered version that you found a year in, right? Was there a lot of pushback from from like the people you were around or did the whole kind of group that you were in go that way with you as well? No, I was like uh speaking of what did I say? The Adams family before? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to go monsters. <clears throat> I was like uh, Marilyn from the monsters. If you remember that show, uh, once I, we learned this stuff, we kind of were aliens in a way we were in AA, but we just seen it from a whole different angle. Yeah. And there was not a lot of people that were like-minded. Right. I mean, over time and over all these years, sure. But in the beginning, it was me and a few guys, uh, a handful of us from the Stepping Stones uh, started on Thursday nights at somebody's house, meeting once a week and going through the book. We couldn't even do it in the existing groups because they thought that it was our opinion of the 12 steps. Mm. And my response was, but I'm reading from a book entitled Alcoholics Anonymous that I didn't write. You actually are basing it on opinion, but I'm the crazy one. So it's kind of been like that on some level all along. And not all, you know, not bad. I embrace that. I like it. I love it. It, it was, it was, it, it was a good natural part of getting better. I'm glad I didn't have it easy. Yeah. It put spiritual hair on my chest, they told me. Mm. And it did. So. Yeah. I mean, I I led I, I let off with that idea of this the loud part uh, only because that was what got my attention when I first met you was is, is that this guy seems to be very excited about something that I couldn't imagine was going to be exciting, yeah. And that was um, today I would use words like freedom. Uh, back then it was just like to get out from underneath of this uh, collapse of my life that I, I assume at that point is caused strictly by alcohol and drugs, not by uh, the other things that I would be uh, shown later that had been a large part of that, more so than just the alcohol. Um, so it, it intrigues me when I find people that, are, that have that type of passion, um, especially with some time. I mean, you obviously have a, the, that same personality today, right? Um, as you did then, which I'm guessing you had well before that. Um, what, what do you attribute like that consistent passion for this? Like, is there, yeah, I don't know. You answer that question. In a word, God, 
I don't even feel even up to today like I'm ever doing it. I say my prayers, take my vitamins in honor of Hulk Hogan, that great philosopher. <laughs> and uh, I never really ever felt like it was me doing it. I do get excited, though. You, that is a, I can't stop it. I, sometimes I, I'm not going to, and boom, I, we start talking about it. So it still excites me, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm glad I got that. But by the same token, when I met Darren and I, when I'm doing this in a treatment setting, like in a big group like that, um, sometimes that's for effect too, obviously, to get people's attention. Because if I, uh, you know, if I meet somebody in a group or in rehab, it might be the only hour I'm ever going to spend with them. Hmm. So what am I going to say? Uh, Hi, Chuck, you're doing good. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm, right? I'm like, oh, like I realize that we got to get, well, you know, I don't always know. I don't ever rehearse what I'm going to say, mm -hmm. whether for years in AA or in a treatment setting. But I believe all the work helping other guys definitely feeds that. My own spiritual search if you will over the years right whether yeah. it's catholic which is uh, the religion i grew up with and that is most of my belief today shaped by that uh, it's more disciplined than i was when i was younger mm -hmm. and i like that i'm not afraid of that it took me a while but i'm not afraid of the discipline anymore but i also was urged by my sponsor to get to know other religions and read all the spiritual stuff you can so that I would be a better conduit, a better teacher if I met somebody over the years from that background. And guess what? I've met a lot of people <laughs> from different backgrounds, Catholic, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, atheist, agnostic, you name it, right? So I do have religious beliefs, but they're different than my generic AA spiritual beliefs. Hmm. That's interesting. So, oh, I've never thought about that, honestly. So that piqued my curiosity. So, like, how? I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, <Wow>. because <laughs> the the answer to that, and I don't know, I know this now, is because there's no place for that in AA. Mm. We don't. It's not a religion. If I'm speaking from a podium or in a meeting, I purposely keep my own personal religious views close to the vest. Mm. That's why, you know, your own conception of God and all that. I mean, imagine if people shared. They do. They can't help it. They get excited. They do as it is. But sometimes even I've been around all these years. When I hear that, I feel like, wow, isn't that nice for Jimmy over there uh, and <laughs> his little Bible studies, whatever he's doing. But there really is no place for, for it in AA. It's that fine line, right? The old, uh, the old uh, line that religion is for people who are afraid of going to hell and spirituality is for people that have been there. Yeah. So AA is perfectly generic spirituality, which can fit into religion seamlessly, I found out. But don't try to do it in reverse. If you have a problem with God or spirituality, don't go right to religion. That's the deep end of the pool. And you may hurt yourself. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. How, how was it going back? So like you said, you were raised Catholic, right? Catholic. 
Right. And then what was the what was the term you used? You identified as a lazy agnostic. Lazy agnostic. <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs> All right. So then going back to it, was there was there some ideas you had to get rid of in order to go back to it or to kind of just seamlessly fit right back in? Well, that's that's another whole podcast. Yeah. And and really what it comes down to is during COVID, my wife and I, uh, I started rereading a lot of the spiritual books I had. Uh, as you know, we had some extra time on our hands, right? <laughs> so we started rereading some stuff we always said we were going to do. And we actually sat down. She read to me. I don't. I like reading, but I really, I, I, as it turns out, I would rather be read too. And she read to me slowly but surely. We went through the whole Bible, which is a book Catholics are never shown. And uh, and when I did go back, my wife is very um, traditional. So the, the the Catholic Church services we go to now yeah. are like fifty year old ones where you have to go and like in a hotel room or something like that. We go strictly traditional. We don't like some of the new changes they've imparted over the years. I don't know if I consciously realized all that, but I do see it. So I want I, to support her, and now I go with her almost all the time. It's really, it's all full Latin, 100% oh, wow. old school. It's old people go, well, it's not fun. It ain't supposed to be fun. <laughs> right? So uh, it's kind of funny. So even that took a big twist. Yeah. So there's a, there's a pretty good sized gap there though. So what's what did that journey look like as you started to lean as you're keeping a religious idea in your head and and to where you're at today, where it's that traditional thing. What was it like leading up to? Like what were you reading? What were the things that got you to start looking back to it um, in in a good in a good eye? Well, I, I always, I mean, my, uh, my Catholic upbringing was a good experience. I didn't have any uh, ill feelings towards that. But once I graduated from high school, started working, drinking, other things all at the same time, I just, it just kind of went by the, way, the wayside. I really didn't, it wasn't a conscious thing. I never really gave it much thought. But as it turns out, you know, I think one of the, most compelling line in our whole book in the chapter we agnostics bill says it very simply and beautifully we never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing mm -hmm. and that was me i'm i just don't look at it and when i my first few years in aa um i was work i was do i had done most of my step work i was working with guys constantly it's just the way things happened and but i also was an incessant i was never a reader either yeah i, I don't know that i've ever read one book that's sad i can see my dad crying somewhere <laughs> sorry dad rest in peace but he's like son you know how to read right and he just he was the smartest funniest cleverest guy I ever met in my life world war ii marine all that mm. and he was philadelphia high school educated kid he loved to read that old generation and he tried so hard to pass it on to me and i was like i don't i just don't i don't read mm. right and i paid the price for it i'm i'm ignorant in a lot of areas i was when i got into the steps my sponsor even made the comment 
when we got into the like steps 10, 11, and 12 in that area. He said, I could see, Chris, you're getting a little excited about this spirituality. That's good. He said, there's about 10,000 books written on it. Why don't you go get one? Right? And then I started reading uh, obsessively. I loved it. Mm. And I read, I started Googling like Dr. Bob's reading list. It's a lot of religious books in there. Yeah. Uh, books like Henry Drummond, The Greatest Thing in the World, Emmett Fox, Sermon on the Mount, a lot of what they called New Thought authors, James Allen. These guys were staples that it was almost mandatory that the early AA guys had their people reading. Uh, it's kind of a lost art. Yeah. I think we're, we're paying the price for it. We have sponsorship meetings are big and, uh, as strong as ever, but it's all kind of, it's almost like our sponsors become amateur therapists. And these, these guys back in the old days, they had spiritual advisors more than the type of sponsorship we talk about today. And I think that's something that I would love to see come back, mm. right? I think that would be handy for all of us. Somebody that has some religious leanings, that has put the time in and can explain some of this to you. I think that would help all of us. So mm. I'm grateful I did that. Then you continue to... Uh... Do you continue to seek at the at the uh, pace and intensity that you did early on? Like, is there still? I mean, I can't imagine you've read all ten thousand of those books yet. Um, but do you still find it as intriguing at twenty nine years, and still like open minded enough to? Well, you don't have to worry about that because spirituality is a funny thing, and you learn shortly into it. If you don't share it with the other kids, yeah. and boom, it explodes. It has life. But if you just read it on your own, I'm quite sure this would have all gotten old years ago. Yeah. But when I read something and and I'm and I'm like double reading it three four times and oh my and I got a call and I call somebody oh yo listen to this holy bam it explodes right that's what they you can't do that any other way. And that is such a missing element with people feeding their spirit. Yeah. One thing to feed your body and your mind, you got to feed your soul. Yeah. Original a... soul food, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like God's screaming at me to read some books tonight. Um. And that's how I felt about my Catholic upbringing. I, I don't know that it was like a blocker or anything but i always felt slightly guilty that i knew i never got back to it mm, okay. i knew god knew that i was sober <laughs> and he seen what i was up to and I, I i i often had the thought is this more important than i'm like like can i get away with just the aa version of it mm. the generic version yeah. or am i supposed to be doing something a little deeper and i still can't i you know depending on what day you get me i could answer that differently but i do do both yeah. and i can certainly see why i always felt that way mm. <laughs> it like sucks that i have to talk i just want to sit here and fucking <laughs> soak all this up so early on um Actually, I just want to ask like a recommendation from you for everybody listening to get started in because like I know a lot of people that do listen don't do what we do. Like there's a good chunk of people that aren't aren't like us. And 
one of the questions I've gotten a few times is like, what do I do? Like, like how do I start? You know, like, so I think a book recommendation or, or like a couple would help a lot and me too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm going to get out my yeah, notes real quick. Please tell me what to read. <laughs> yeah, uh, are you, you mean more uh, how do you start in general with the 12-step well, like process or more no, of no, a spiritual, no, no, no. Like spiritual book process? Yeah. yeah, spiritual book process, uh, like here's, seeking. Here's one simple trick. Like I mentioned a minute ago, Google Dr. Bob's reading list. A yeah. hundred names will come up. Some you've heard of. Uh, many are based on different parts of the Bible. And they just, over the years, who knew? This stuff's like thousands of years old. Who knew, right? So not only did I come in in 1994, maybe running a little late to the game, and what do I owe the Catholic religion or something like that? This 2,000 years. Think about that. 2,000 blanking years, people have felt there's me, there's God, there's other people. How do you do this thing called life? What do you do? How do you do it? Many use the Bible over the years, but James Allen, New Thought authors, James Allen, As a Man Thinketh, uh, Emmett Fox, who was not an AA member, but he had a big influence because he was doing, he was doing uh, sermons on Saturday night in Manhattan in the mid-40s, 5,000 people at a place called the Hippodrome. And he wrote a book called The Sermon on the Mount and many others. He's a really good one. There's a guy named Henry Drummond, an old minister or something, who wrote a book called The Greatest Thing in the World, which is explains the uh, 1 Corinthians, which is the love chapter. Mm. Dr. Bob himself, our co-founder, said, often said AA can be boiled down to two words, love and service. Mm. Service is helping others, but the love is not only just loving your fellow man and woman. How about loving God? And how about doing your own spiritual demonstrations? And what are you reading to feed that beast? Right? Because I know we call it a spiritual awakening. And I know once you wake the spiritual side of you up, if you don't feed it and grow with it, you will go back to sleep. And that's a very common problem that we all know, and you see it happen all the time. But try to get somebody to do something about it. Luckily, I've really, I think service and meetings have saved me in those blank spots where maybe the reading, I mean, I'm sure uh, I worked on Wall Street for a while. I was traveling around. I, I'm not the type that usually goes to meetings and all that when I'm traveling. So you know, I'm sure there was times where that game maybe suffered a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, talking to people, phone calls, service of some kind. I believe uh, active step work is the main thing. And when I say active, active step work, not you doing the steps, that's a given. But me, me and the longer you stay sober, I believe this is apropos. The, um, me... Sitting down with another guy and teaching them, for lack of a better word, the steps. If I don't do that, I, that's spiritual malpractice in my book. I can talk a good game about gratitude and all that. But if I don't give it back and show God by going to a strange city and sitting on a park bench and getting a guy where I am, then I feel like I didn't do enough. And I'm all, I always have one eye towards that. 
And if I can sponsor every guy that I ever meet for the rest of my life, <laughs> I still honestly wouldn't be even, wouldn't be able to give back. I don't even know how to describe it, what I've been given. It's not necessarily material, for sure. It's just peace, contentment, right? The good, the platinum package, 10-step promise type stuff. Yeah. That, I want guys to have that and girls. If you're listening or ever watching this, you can have this too. I'll go anywhere in a free world and come meet you or on Zoom or whatever you kids do, a, 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 a can and a string, whatever way I can get in touch with you, I will show you how to get where you need to be. And there's plenty of people out there, I'm preaching to the choir on some level, plenty of people out there who feel the same way. So it's not, we don't get excited by accident. It's real. This stuff, spirituality is supposed to add years to your life, they tell me. Not zap them because you're not running around arranging life to suit yourself anymore. So that should be a lot easier, shouldn't it? And freeing. If, you, if any kind of mental exertion, I was told, is contrary to the spiritual world. What do we say in the program? Oh, he works a good program. He's really praying hard. He's doing this. <laughs> Get away from them. Right? I don't trust them. Step back. What's the other book say? Uh, be childlike. Loosen your grip on life. Do it later. What are you praying so hard about? And how do you pray hard? God! <laughs> no, really! I mean business. Lighten up. You're not God. Right? When you understand that, it will automatically, in the spiritual area, put you in your proper place, which is light. Mm. Right? So. True, man. That's a tough one to, to, to come to grips with sometimes. Um, with some old ideas, creating this, uh, these, these blockages of, of lighter being the solution to feeling I need to grip it harder. Yeah. You know, uh, or there's punishment coming. It's like, um, it's like uh, stepping on a hose and complaining the water's not flowing. Get off the hose. <laughs> <laughs> Step back. Uh, um, now, in your, um, in your personal life, right, I know, I, I personally know that you spend a lot of time doing this um, but in your personal life, do you find that you, it's able to, that you can share these, uh, the spiritual and the religious things with people and find that they can understand? So like, like he was just mentioning, these ideas of people being on here that aren't in recovery because they're not us, right? But they're intrigued by uh, perhaps spirituality or perhaps the looking back into religion because maybe they hear something that maybe blocks or knocks down that wall that they've built over time about religions. Um, do you find that it's, it's easy in your travels to convey that type of message around, even when they're not like when it's not recovery based and it's just, Hey, just sitting around. Um, do you come across that or when you do, do you find it easy to do? Yeah, I think so. Uh, even in an AA setting, as long as it's not speaking or from the podium or something like that, if I'm working one-on-one -on -one with a guy, as long as I don't think, if I think he can handle it, which you usually get a good feel for that right away, I'll go into all kinds of religious ideas, let them know what I read, my thoughts on everything, right? Yeah. I will just always preface it with, 
And one of the things that's always interested me about spirituality is my thoughts are subject to change tonight. Right? Yeah. It's just the way that is. I could hear something tonight. I could go to a meeting later on tonight somewhere and hear somebody say something who just is brand new and go, I never thought of it that way. I like that. And adapt it. Who knew you could adapt things on the fly? So I always, that's one of my favorite things about all of this yeah. is it's like a constant school. I mean, how cool is that? Well, you have to. You have to change. You have to adapt or you're going to die. Like, I Well, wanted... where do normal people go to school then? Yeah, I don't know. They don't? I don't know anything about them. So <laughs> that's why I always personally, I believe alcoholism, drug addiction is a gift disguised as a curse. Yep. Because we have to do it. It's for thousands of years, people have known that coming to grips with the spiritual side of you is kind of important and how to do that. Well, we're lucky. I had a gun to my head in 1994, loaded with heroin and Jack Daniels and uh, tequila sunrise and whatever, Percocet. And, you know, yeah. how do you get spiritual at any kind of depth otherwise? I don't think you can. That's our gift, right? How do normal people get spiritual usually? I don't think they do that I'm aware of. I feel bad for them. So if you're new, this only happens if you kind of take your life, your dark past, as it says, and turn it to good account and wash it through the steps and make amends and come out on the other end of that. So it's all based on that. You know what I mean? You're not going to get all this stuff just because you happen to be alcoholic or a drug addict. It's going to kill you. But if you can take the cure and go through the steps and teach others, boom, you could be sitting up here. If that, you know what I mean? This is, this is for everybody. It's yeah. not for me. I remember hearing that for the first time. Um, like grateful for to be an alcoholic or a, or, or a drug addict. And I was like, what the fuck, man? Like I am not. I, I, at the time, I was not grateful at all. I, it was miserable. And I was still on my way down. And getting through that getting to that pinch point and popping out the other side was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me hands down. So all the bad shit, how could I regret it? How could I regret all the darkness? Cause it let all the light in. Yeah. It's, it's all, when you hear people talking about grateful to be sober, you almost think they're kidding. Like what the, what's the matter oh with God. them? That was like, like, I could boring. never, I, I, I always, I could, I, I'm not me. I could never do this. And all I had to do, as it turns out, was a little bit of work. I mean, trust me, we're not talking about, a, I wasn't lighting the world on fire here. I sat with my sponsor, I don't know, three or four times in a couple month setting, maybe an hour or two here and there. And he showed me and turned in my head and showed me how to see me properly, right? how to see self for what it was and not to look out there anymore. He taught me basically through his experience with the steps, how to turn this inward. And I been doing some version of it ever since. And I believe it's all contingent on me giving it away or none of it means anything. Right. So do you think that, um, 
with all the with all the journeys through your de- like reading up on Hinduism and Buddhism and and, and Judaism and and Catholicism. Um, do you think that besides help allowing you to be more useful to individuals that you might come into along the recovery journey, um, how has it been? Has it been useful to you in your own journey with uh, a relationship with God? Do you think that expanding upon the reading has allowed you to have some better relationship with God, or do you still find that Catholicism has been the thing that's brought you what you feel is a deeper relationship? Does that make sense? It does. Too much sense. Uh, <laughs> and most of, up on my most questioning of us, skills. My my experience has been the hardcore religious end of it. Mm-hmm. That's that's a whole different level. Yeah. And that for me, Catholicism today, old school, traditional, that is the last, the final frontier. All the other ones I loved along the way, but they're like child's play compared mm. to what they're saying. Right. So that's one thing. But yeah, definitely. I love the, I quote the Dalai Lama guys like that often. Quote old Buddhist or Hindu Swami, uh, all kinds of uh, different backgrounds. I love anybody that can put into language the whole God thing and take some of the mystery out of it and simplify it. That to me is worth its weight in gold. So whatever that is, started out blurry and it was kind of religious, but not necessarily. And, uh, but the, you know, especially like the Buddhist uh, mentality uh, and all that stuff. Yeah, it helped me immensely to kind of learn. I, you know, if nothing else, uh, those other views help you see, A, that there's other views. Mm-hmm. And that helps me try to be a little more open-minded, yeah, which yeah. is not my strong point. I don't know about you. I don't naturally, I'm not open-minded to things. So it almost buttered me up, if you will, yeah. until years later I went, and I wasn't planning on doing it, but I went about probably at this point as deep as you can go into what I grew up with. Yeah. And... uh I'm here to report it's not that bad, but it's not for everybody. It really isn't. It's hardcore stuff. Yeah. You want to be, you want to be uh, properly vetted before you get to that end of it. Yeah. But okay. I love it. I can handle it. Don't bother me. Yeah. I pray. Uh, I pray the last couple of years a lot more religious prayers and different stuff, rosary stuff like that, which I mm. never did. I was more of a third step, seven step guy. Mm-hmm. Now I. Uh, I play. A, I pray a lot of religious prayers. Oh yeah. And, and but I don't sacrifice the other ones. No, I just yeah. pray a lot more. Because yeah. oh. I believe there's one answer to all problems in life: pray, and that's it. There is no other answer to any problem you will ever have. Anybody that tells you anything else, they're lying to you. Because if you don't pray first, first things first. You've seen that in all me. If you ever been to a meeting, it says on the wall, first things first. That has nothing to do with staying sober or anything like that. That's a biblical quote that means if you don't pray first, whatever the problem is, you're batting out of order. Because whose plan are you on if you didn't pray first? What are you calling your sponsor first? Now they're, right? You see how that falls apart. Yeah, and that's kind of how, telling a line, but that's how uh, 
it is right now, you know, um, and the God thing gets lost and it's like taboo. And, um, I don't think it's just AA either. I, I think that's it's a microcosm life. of the world we yeah. live in. Yeah. Right. I yeah. think another thing man has been trying to do for many, many years is find a, find an, an excuse or a reason not to need God. Yeah, I think man, since oh, yeah. they, oh, since man. Adam and Eve or whatever, Dude. they've been trying to get away from God no. because people like this free will deal. No. They want it once they get a taste of it. It's hard to get them to give it back voluntarily. Yeah, just go scroll Instagram or whatever and be your own man and you know buck up and no. alpha male or <laughs> alpha female, whatever it is, you know, and go make, go grab the world and self help, self sufficiency in itself has really become, I think, a religious substitute for many people. Really? Many yeah. of us in the program, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we don't even realize we're doing it. But, you know, like that famous uh, singer once said, you got to serve somebody, right? So mm. if you don't have a, for lack of a better word, religious God, you will serve that voice between your ears, right? Yeah. They call it the God of self-sufficiency for a reason. Right, you're making your decisions based on something. It's either based on you and your family, which spiritually speaking is completely backwards, or an imaginary person that you call God that you're really not sure exists, and you're laughing all the way to the <laughs> spiritual bank. <laughs> um, that was perfect. The idea of uh, this this self help, um, because and you brought it up like the stuff that we can see on social media. Um, you know, and, and, and I can read some of these individuals and listen to their, their books, you know, the, the, the Eckhart Tolle's and the Mujus and, uh, you know, the Ram Das and all of these guys. Um, you know, I was listening to, um, was it Dr. Carolyn Mays, uh, spiritual madness. Um, do you find usefulness in that? Have you, have you read some of their things? And gotten I have. It? Yeah. Yeah. I do find it useful, but it's a fine line because yeah. it's all so dangerous. It's contradictory, right? Uh, at some point, self-help intersects with alcoholism or drug addiction, right? And that's that can be lethal. Yeah. So as much as I do, I even look at some self-help stuff myself because I know the world is so attached to it. Yeah. I'll look at it, but I also understand when I'm reading it that if this isn't uh, based in something greater than all of us, if it doesn't have the, that kind of teeth, Bill called it depth and weight, yeah. then it's just words on paper. So mine, I, I, I take the self-help, but I also add the spiritual anchor to it. And I think that works just fine. So, hmm. um, Are you reading something right now? I'm rereading. What are you rereading? I'm rereading A Not God by Ernest Kurtz. Okay. One of my favorite. It's like a, he was a kind of a amateur AA historian. And I'm also reading a book by uh, Anthony DeMello called Awareness. Hmm. So I didn't realize how an extensive a library, because I never thought of it. I was never did it like I'm building a library. Yeah. I'm just... 
I don't like. I don't want to give them out. I just love looking at them. <laughs> I don't even want to read them. Yeah. I just like having the collection there. And all of a sudden, the other day, we started looking, and my God, there's so much stuff. But I think spirituality, that's another kind of neat component of it is it can be read over and over, and it's good. And each time you read it, you're coming from a different spiritual standpoint. So that's good, too. Yeah, I'll reread something, and, and it'll yeah. say something totally different to me the next time. And that's how I know that, you know, it's true to, well, that it's spiritual in nature, really. Because if it can meet me where I am throughout time and, and still carry the same message. Um, but it is quite easy to fall into that self-help shit, man, because it is fucking everywhere. I heard somebody say recently, and I guess I heard this a million times over the years. I just never really in my head the, this exact language. They said, if prayer is talking to God, then reading is God talking to you. <laughs> so you think God ain't talking to you. I would definitely suggest you get on board with that. Right? It's not good enough just to talk to God. What about? What are you reading? Right? I remember a guy years ago asked me in a meeting, how's your mental diet, kid? I was like, what? What are you talking about? I'm bad enough with the physical diet. But he said, what are you reading? I'm, I'm like, nothing. I'm not a reader. Well, how are you going to grow spiritually? I don't, I don't know. I was like a blank. I don't know. Why? Is that important? Is it mandatory? Now, 30 years later, guess what? Yes. <laughs> the answer is a big fat yes, in my view. Other people think not, and that's cool. I don't have to answer to your God, and you don't have to answer to mine. But we all have to have our own God, lest we be ruled by self once again. Hmm. And that you can't argue. Hmm. And that's the only way I know out yeah. of this deal. That's pretty awesome. How um, how does how do you and your wife um, is she a big reader as well? Uh, I know you said me. that you like her reading to you, but does she have her own little thing that she likes to read? She had her own motives. Yeah. She was all she she uh, ever since I've been sober. I met her in I got sober in ninety four. We got married in ninety eight. So I met her a little before that, a couple of years into it. But she has always said, jokingly, but maybe not jokingly, come on, you know you're Catholic. You know you want to go to church with me. She has reminded me very bluntly that you're missing the boat. And if you believe that, you know where that comes from. And I can't argue anymore. So. You know, I. Um, but I'm in the game. There you go. A little late, but in the game. <laughs> I um I have a of course I have my stack of books next to the bed that have gone unread, you know I mean I've started a bunch and I've finished a few, um, but uh, you had mentioned Emmett Fox earlier, um, and uh, Sermon on the Mount, um, where where does that rank at as one of your books that that you um, have come across in in your travels? Do you find that his his diving into the Bible? Uh, and into uh, the Gospels was. Do you, do you think it affected Bill? I know it affected Bill. Yeah. 
Yeah. I also know a lot of people don't realize there was a guy back then, famous a guy on TV, Bishop Sheen from New York, Fulton Sheen, who had a, he had a TV show in the early 50s. They put him on Sunday night because they laughed. A priest is going to go in and do some lectures. A couple months later, a guy named uh, Bob Hope and Dean Martin and Sinatra wanted to know who the state, he was getting better ratings. He blew them away. <laughs> I still watch a lot of his old YouTubes. I think it's called The Power Hour. Bishop Sheen. He, Bill Wilson, in the mid-40s, spent a lot of weekends with Bishop Sheen. Sheen was trying to flip him over to Catholicism. He had him close, I hear, which is kind of funny when you read the 12 and 12, which he read a few years later, you can see his footprints all over that, hmm. or at least I can. It's a lot more religious in sounding. I believe the big book was a divinely inspired. I believe the 12 and 12 was a great book, but I believe it was more Bill inspired, and it gave you a glimpse of, I mean, we're all a product of who we're hanging out with and what we're reading and what we're being taught, right? But Emmett Fox, definitely, his simplicity in his own language, the best way I could describe him, he, uh, in one of his books, The Sermon on the Mount, he has a chapter where he explains the Beatitudes, mm, where yeah. everybody's heard of them, blessed are this, blessed are that, which makes them, I guess, pretty important, depending on your point of view. Well, <laughs> one of them he just takes, he, he, he breaks them all down. But this is the, he hooked me right from the very start. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. I've heard that over the years. I've probably even uh, rattled that off. But I don't know what it means. And nobody really knows what it means. I ask religious people, you can get some fair answers. And maybe there's not one definite answer. What does poor in spirit mean? Uh, you know, humble, maybe. Uh, uh, no, but nobody knows. But it's, it's like the ultimate in behavior. Well, Emmett Fox explains it. He says, always break down the words. Poor is low, right? Not poor financially, yeah. low. Poor in my spirit, being excitable, is me. Low in me, high in God. Mm. He said, right, in his, right there, he said, so to be poor in spirit means you have given up all inclination to exercise personal self-will. <laughs> People go, that's step three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Directly. So I know he affected them. Mm. Yeah. But that's, uh, yeah. The dude was good. He was, he's, he's got 10 books just as good as that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So uh, with all this... Oh, my God. Spirituality, knowledge, history, right? All of this, all of this experience that you've had, that you have, and that you have had, right? And you continue to have. Does it just get bigger, broader, or do you find yourself, right? Because we're talking about, right? Let, less you, more God, right? So as you go on, and the more you learn, does it get broader, I guess? is, is you, you understand what I'm asking? I do, yeah. Bill says in the big book, uh, what's he say? Uh, roomy, all-inclusive, mm. right? I, it does get broader, which is good, right? Because when it's narrow, yeah. it's pretty difficult. 
Uh, I think somewhere he writes, the hoop we have to jump through is bigger than we think, right? It looks like a pinhole in the beginning. Oh my God, how am I ever going to do this? When am I going to start going to church and quoting the Bible and stuff like that? How boring is that? And, but then I was taught that this is mandatory part of the program. And I always have had over the years, I don't read just to read. I always have had, as I'm reading, I take notes. It's one of the few things I take notes on in life. And I always have one eye towards being a teacher. How can I take this to one of my guys or if something comes up, use it. So I always have one eye towards reproducing what yeah. I'm reading and hearing. And I love that component of spirituality. And who knew you were allowed to do that, right? There's no rules, right? You can be hardcore religious, dogma, discipline, or you can be more generic, uh, kind of a free agent type of thing, which I used to introduce myself as, and it's all good, as long as you're not running the show. The funny thing about all this spiritual talk and about AA over the years and all that is it looks like on the front end, it's some crazy religious whatever cult. And you find out it's really not religious at all. The 12 steps, even though it looks like it, they don't ever try to sell you on God. They try to show you that you and I make a terrible God. Any questions? <laughs> and they kind of back you into the spiritual world, which is kind of interesting. Mm, that's very interesting. And there's two worlds. There's what they call the spiritual world, the soul, the inner world. And then there's the outer world, the real world, uh, uh, the natural, they call it. There's the natural and the supernatural, right? You kind of tend to vacillate back and forth between the two. You've got to be out there in the real world with people and go to work and all that. But the goal is to try to keep your head and your heart, right, calling the shots and keep that connected to God. And it can be done. It's not an exact science. It can be done. You can live in this world with other people and not have to kill each other and still be have yourself centered in the spiritual. Or as somebody famously once said, your head in the stars and your feet on the ground, right? You can do that. But that, to me, is very, very helpful. Keeping myself rooted in spirituality, knowing who I am and who I'm not, and what God's job is and what's my job, that's an interesting thing over the years that most of us tend to write on or take a look at. And so keep myself rooted in the spiritual, but available out there to be of service to the other travelers, because that's where it's needed. God's got my attention. He's had my attention for years. So what's he need from me? Nothing. What do I need? Nothing. The only thing he needs from me after all these years, I got it narrowed down to is to help the other kids. And if I do that, I don't think about myself. So how could my life go wrong? I, I don't have a life. And I mean that literally. I do. I try to bang my head and get out there and get involved. But it's never good. Because it's probably my idea once again. And once again, it'll fall more into the nature of self-help. What I think I need as opposed to what does God? That's the AA motto. God, what do you want me to do? Your will, not mine, be done many times a day. We say it, but how many of us ponder it, meditate it, really think on it? 
that's a word that I was going to try to incorporate into here. Um, meditate. Like I remember talking to you one time and, um, I think you would, uh, I think you were getting ready to talk on a zoom, uh, or something. And we were talking to a side note and you had mentioned that, uh, you had just tried to, uh, or had accomplished like being able to sit still for like a couple hours. Um, is that like something that you like try to incorporate or is, was that just something that you had come across and wanted to put it into practice for a moment? Like what, what does meditation look like to you with all of this stuff? Like to have been exposed to all of these religious readings and teachings and spiritual readings and teachings and, and your own experiences in it while trying it. Like, what does that look like for you today? Have you, has it gotten like real big? as far as like there's a bunch of different things to choose from or has it remained uh on a more simplified level um i don't know let's, say, let's ask tom brady he just came out of uh four days and he uh Did went he? somewhere quiet underground for four, four days, days yeah so it can be done back in the olden days they tell me i've read stories of monks and all going and yeah. meditating and fast. Fasting's another one. Now we're getting disciplined religious stuff here, right? Yeah. You ain't going to hear fast talked about in AA necessarily, <laughs> but it is a religious concept that's very, has its place too that I'm just learning about. But with meditation, I've always kept it simple. To me, prayer is talking to God. Mm. Meditation is listening. Mm -hmm. You go, okay, well, but... Here's the thing. When we say prayer in the 12 steps, there's, they're pretty clear on there's a right and wrong way to pray. They don't say it that way. They say there's an effective and ineffective way, right? So if you look at all the prayers in the book, starting with step three on, uh, it's like a, a quid pro quo. I ask God for something and then I promise to do something. It was drilled into me if your prayers aren't backloaded in the higher powers uh, benefit, then it's a selfish, wasted prayer, right? So step three on, relieve me of the bond to self. I'll try to do your will. Take away my difficulties. I'll try to help the other kids. Remove my anger. I'll try to help this guy, et cetera, et cetera. Seven step prayer. I'll try to be useful to others, right? So here's the neat thing about all that. So as it turns out, when you pray unselfishly like that, you know what it forces you to do? Listen. In other mm. words, if I'm just mailing in requests, please God keep me sober, <laughs> please bless my family and friends, please help me in work, I don't need to meditate. I told God what should be done. <laughs> but when I say, give me some inspiration, show me what to do, it forces me to think about that and sit quiet. And maybe I'm getting it. Maybe it's coming over me. You don't hear voices. Sometimes maybe it's intuition, guidance, right? Maybe you hear something. God's talking to you when you're reading and all that. So, yeah. But I always I always looked at prayer as talking to God and meditation as listening. Right. I don't think... There's many forms of meditation, as we all know, that can get very elaborate and complicated and all that. But I don't think that's what Bill and Bob had in mind in step 11. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the deeper you dive into these things, the more confusing. I don't think Bob was getting candles and going up in his bathroom in, at 855 Ardmore, right? I think it was very simple. Talk to God, ask for your directions, and listen for the answers, right? So.
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the deeper you dive into this, the more confusing it can get. And that was like a huge turnoff to me at first. And I was like, well, how the fuck? What, what do I do? What is this? What do I got to read like this? Like you're, like you're diving into right now. I thought like that was a requirement for prayer off the jump. Like I got to be whipping myself with the nine tails and, you know. Oh. Yeah, I know that. Nice. I don't know. And the crown of thought. Well, it does know. say be hard on yourself, considerate of others. Uh, yeah. So. So, um. The nine tails pulled me right out of that question. None of this, none of this stuff, awesome. we, none of this stuff we talked about tonight is hard. Yeah. It's just different, so it looks awkward. It's backwards. Yeah, just back to me, right? So, so yeah, so keeping it simple. Are you keeping it more simple now, or is it getting more complex as you go? Both. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was gonna. Of course, I would naturally say simple. But the religious part is adding a degree of definitely complex. Yeah. So like how 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 is it complex? Because it's hardcore. Uh, I like don't know. Rules to the limit. Like yeah. it's, you know, this is the way you do it. But the the benefits are great. Yeah. Right. The pay sucks, but the benefits are great. Mm-hmm. Right. You get the afterlife and all this. Mm. And now, now, now we're now we're on to something, right? We don't really talk about an AA. Maybe there's a place for it in the twelve steps and all that. But the religious question would be, uh, <coughs> what about after this deal? What happens then? Yeah, that was something I always felt I didn't look at through religion close enough, because I know that's their big thing. I know they addressed it. I know their views on it. And I never really wanted to look at that because I was scared and I didn't think I would meet the criteria. I still may not. So if you hear I'm not in paradise, don't be shocked. <laughs> I'm like borderline at best right now. Yeah. Um, oh, man, that sets the bar really high for the rest of us. Bro. <laughs> Fuck. I was, thanks for the existential crisis tonight in bed. And, 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 and in a weird way, a in a weird way, it gave me a promise it's not an at 12 step promise that I would have never thought of. And it's going to sound weird or morbid, but I'm not afraid to die. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. For yeah. sure. I ain't looking to die, but I'm not afraid. I'll put my cards on the table. Yeah. 80s back end was pretty bad. <laughs> Early 90s, not my strong point. And a lot of other days in between over 30 years, not real good. But I had some good days. I'll put my cards on the table and say, very respectfully, how's this work? Uh, and I, I look forward to that. Mm. That, And you know what? We, we joke about that stuff, but it really makes sense that if, if, if there is something, it kind of makes this much more enjoyable if there's something after this. I mean, if this is all there is, <laughs> that's pretty depressing, right? <laughs> so they got that going for them, yeah. right? The whole, well, it depends uh, on how you look at it, right? right? Um. So I'm very intrigued by some of the disciplines. You had mentioned that the fasting is like, uh, like some of the, the, like part of the discipline. So having no, I also feel like I've been through with COVID was unique situation. Yeah. We started, uh, just searching around on YouTube yeah. and we found this Bishop from New York, but he was in Florida lately. Uh, he has a seminary that he teaches old school, traditional, like pre-1958. There's a whole reason for that date that we will get into another time. 
but you can, you can find what it. Is, People are hip to it. They know about it. <laughs> they changed all the rules. They made it all um, more okay. modern under the guise of we got to get with the times. Mm, hip. Right? Sound familiar? Yeah. Progressive. Progressive. And now I'm going backwards, right? And you know what a lot of the younger people are finding out? They like the uh, discipline. Yeah. They like the old school stuff. It's not supposed to be fun, right? I don't need to be hugging you and giving, you know, it's not supposed to be fun. Reverent. I'm there to do my business, right? Now, so, do you, do you actually understand Latin? Very limited, a little bit. Yeah. I've, uh, I haven't tried to. There is a book, that obviously, that translates it all. My wife knows it pretty good. I can butcher some parts of the Our Father with it. But it's just it's interesting. It's something different for me. It kind of, I guess, maybe comes with age for me. Uh, it's it's a natural progression to start thinking about that stuff, mm. right? So maybe it's maybe it's just that. Maybe I'm just a grumpy old man, and I really don't give a shit about <laughs> spirituality at all. But don't isn't that the beauty of it? I don't care. I'm still the winner. Like Sandy B used to always say, the beauty of spirituality is you don't even have to believe in it to get results, mm. right? You just got to do it. Sandy. I don't even know that believing mm -hmm. is a benefit on the front end. How contradictory or crazy is that? Right? Yeah. Sandy gave me my answer to the afterlife. And he said, we get back in the spiritual Congo line. I was like, I'm good with that, man. This makes sense to me. I'm good with that. Yeah. So we'll just go with that one. <laughs> um, how over the last four years, right? Because you brought up some of the parts of uh, with COVID being there. Over the last four years, how much of a change have you seen? Um, has it been drastic in your religious understandings because of having basically a lot of time to, no, to no, dive into it? I wouldn't say drastic. Reverent comes to mind. Um, has probably humbled me even a little bit more, no. which is never bad. Um, yeah, discipline, right? I need discipline. I think we all do, right? Yeah. Bill goes right out and says, we, we are undisciplined. And that's why he wrote the steps. They will discipline us to yeah. the degree we need. So what does that look like? Like I'm, I'm, I can picture what I think you mean by disciplined, but is there, can you give an example of what the, like some of the disciplines that you've uh, added to your, to your, uh, to your life as you've gotten closer to the, towards this more traditional Catholicism. It's more like uh, something like the fasting and okay. incorporating that more. Not because I'm looking to lose weight or get ready yeah. for the beach, because it's reverent to God. Mm. Some people believe. Yeah. You don't have to. I'm kind of getting there. <laughs> I'm a little late to the game. So things like that. Uh, some of their prayers, maybe observing some of the, I love reading the lives of the saints. Mm. Oh my God. They, what they call the church fathers, mm. St. Augustine. There's a guy, uh, there's a dude, Thomas Aquinas. Mm -hmm. These guys had to be hands down the most enlightened friggin' smartest people ever, ever. And they wrote in detail, masterly detail about it. But like everything else, it went right by me because I don't read or look. And I thank God that for whatever reason I got there or I would have missed all this. 
And I did that even without the religious angle. I had heard about these guys, and especially Augustine and Aquinas. I really wanted to know some of their views and what they said. And man, they'll blow you away. It's not easy reading. It's some deep shit. So, sorry. No, go ahead. So why do you think history, I mean, I love your history of everything. And um, so why do you think we've gotten, as a society, so far away? From religion, from spirituality, from everything over the years, because it's gone the opposite way of everything else. Like there's everything we're talking about, all the saints' lives, right? Two thousand years ago, however many thousand years ago, and it's like you find it in little clusters today. Well, yeah, great question. Interestingly enough, I think it's a pretty new phenomenon. For like fifteen hundred years, this didn't happen. Yeah. People, you know, right. right? Right. Now, a lot of people point towards maybe the middle of the 18th century, uh, 1776. We started our country built on religious liberty. 1800s, the French Revolution, all that, the Enlightenment period under the name of progress. It's... They, they, but they want, they wanted to go away from God, and wor- they worship the mind mm. and their ability to think. And all these great colleges and institutions, they worship the mind. I think there's a direct connection with all that. Mm. Yeah, it's a conspiracy, but I think it's real, <laughs> like many others. I believe in. I don't think it's just made up. So I think it can be explained. Yeah. So if you want, if you want to connect the dots, I think it's there to see. Yeah. I'm- it's wild. It's I mean, wild. we were even guilty of it. Our whole country is based on what is that? Freedom from religion? Is it freedom of religion? Religious liberty? What does that mean? What did we do? What did we create? In other words, you would you just ask what happened to religion? Right. <laughs> well, we started our country on the basis of uh, you see. Some of those dudes, some of them were religious, many weren't. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm saying it was an inherent flaw, if you will. You can't give people too much room in that area. Mm. They will take it. Now, you can say, well, that's great. And fine, that's great. God bless you. I get it. You got a different view, right? I don't see it that way. That scares me, right? I want God to be real. I want religion to be real. For everybody, I think it makes us on all levels better. So, yeah, I think it's uh, interesting that you bring that up um, as far as getting away from something, because um, I think you can see it in in uh, you're seeing it in, in AA uh, where they are allowing groups to be um, atheist groups where they've allowed them to make adjustments to the literature um, that they might have, like the, the 12 steps on the wall, and make adjustments to that, where the words no longer incorporate God, and you know all these things, and their preamble is different. And, um, based on this idea of, of, of allowing what little bit of structure AA has ever had, wrapped up in some traditions, concepts, and, and steps, and turning that into well, I mean, we have these things, but we don't want to infringe upon y'all um, in 
you know, your idea of a God or no God, even though this whole movement uh, was based on God. If you look at the history, if you look into the long forms of any traditions writing, it is very clear who uh, number one is. And yet um, we're allowing, you know, these things to happen out there. And it, it seems to fit right in with what's going on in the country. And trust me, I'm not over here as some religious person because I, I don't go to church. Um, but I'm very intrigued by religions, much more open-mindedly so than the con the condemnation that I used to hold based on at least looking into it, right? So that I could get some ideas, but I find it interesting that um, AA is kind of following the way of society when it comes to getting away from this God idea, even though it seems to do better for us. For a guy like me, it's a requirement, a necessity um, to at least be free of the alcoholism and the bondage of self. Um, I don't know. It's just very interesting to sit here and listen to that. And then it, my, in my head, I'm like, holy shit. Kind of. <laughs> well, as you know, with step work, most of, I spend most of my free hours in the last 30 years trying to talk guys off of that atheist or agnostic cliff. Uh, but with, what they usually find out, it's, it's all in their head. The, if the book says the fundamental idea of a higher power of God is wired into us in the factory thousands of years ago. Many people agree on that. What are the odds it missed you? Right? <laughs> so atheist, agnostic, <laughs> believer, yeah. there's, they're just states of mind to me. I don't pay them too much attention. I can be all those by lunch, right? When I'm, <laughs> when I'm in the car praying, right, saying my prayers, I'm as strict a believer as anybody. But then there's other, uh, if I get angry on the road, somebody makes a left in front of me and I don't deem it proper, uh, or somebody in work looks at me funny, right? Boom, I'm shut off from God. I'm basically atheist mentality because God's not available to me. Mm. And by the same token, late afternoon when I'm really not paying attention, I have more of an agnostic point of view. So to me, they're just points of view I believe that the fundamental idea of God, like the book says on page 55, is deep down inside every man, woman, and child, and there's nothing you can do about it. You don't have to believe it, but at least let, come, let's have that discussion. Mm. Let me see if I can't get you to see it a different way. Mm. It might come in handy. And if you want to fight it, you're free to. And if there's groups who want to go to the uh, extreme end, uh, every group is autonomous and they want to have atheists, fine. I don't know how you're going to work uh, especially 10, 11 and all that without a more conventional higher power. Because mm. how are you going to pray for strength, direction, and inspiration? Who are you praying to? Right? If you can sell me on that, then go for it. But that's why it's important to me. No. You can't do a lot of this stuff without God. It's all based on that. We can't live up to our own morals, philosophical convictions. So we run out of steam on our own, but with the whole God component... Boom, we got all the power we need. Extra power. Mm. <laughs> and they've had atheists since day one in AA when they were writing a book and they fought over this a lot. Yeah, yeah. The only difference was they tried to help them get over that yeah. instead of just capitulating and saying, well, why don't you just start a whole group of <laughs> you, yeah. right? They, they tried to make the argument, 
well, what if it's just your mindset? What if it's not? Like, have you ever been wrong on anything else in life? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm wrong 50 times a day. Yet, I come in with my spiritual views. I know. I couldn't. I know. I know. Right? I'm wrong. I'll be wrong 10 more times before the night's over. (laughs) So I'm wrong a lot. So I don't pay that much attention to myself and my abilities. (laughs) They They are grossly overrated. So... I laugh at that. Hopefully, you'll laugh at that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, man. I feel like there's there's gonna have to be a second addition yeah. to this at some point. Because, yeah, second, third, fourth, just keep going, just keep going. I'm here every uh, just today. Today's su- today Sunday. Sunday. We're yeah. recording on Sunday. Normally, we do Thursday. Oh, yeah, I'm going snowboarding this weekend. Going yeah. to Killington. I'm gonna go oh. closer to God. I've been. I got a picture in there of me so bundled up on Killington. I look like fucking. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, He's got some great pictures. When you can tell he is, he once. has not quite found the rooms yet. Oh uh, yeah. There's yeah. one where it's it's clear the barbiturates are doing their job. I shut. <laughs> Takes away the cold though. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, you know we uh man it's it's. It's so funny when, when, when me and Ryan were talking about inviting you and, and what I thought this might look like, you know, and before we started, I was like, you know, set aside in my, in my little prayer, help me set aside anything that I think this is supposed to look like so I can have a new experience. And holy cow, did I? Because, I mean, I've, I've been around you. Um, I've been to many of your talks. We've had many, many talks. Um, and what I got to hear tonight was kind of what I was hoping to get to hear from you. Um, not so, not just the, some of the AA stuff, but some of your stuff, right? Because I know when you're behind a podium or you're in a classroom scenario, it, it kind of has its structure, structured setting for it, right? Um, and I was really glad to get to hear some of your personal stuff because I think that's important for people out there to understand that, yeah, okay, so these guys are in recovery, that's great, but what about us people who aren't? What, what does that look like? How can we start to dive into seeking spirituality or religion or whatever it is, or maybe not, but just let, let me hear about it in a format that I'm enjoying to hear it in, right, based on a podcast, let's say. You know, I mean, I have a couple of people in my life who have shown me recently that, um, the beauty of this thing outside of the recovery bubble, right? Where that in all of my affairs comes into play, you know, my relationship with my sister has adjusted and I've watched her relationship adjust with spirituality. You know, she has her things in about religion, much like I did when I got here, uh, based on our own upbringing, you know, which most of us have, we have these preconceived notions, but I have this, uh, relationship with my accountant, right? This, this woman is awesome. Like she's uh she's just a big bubble of joy and but she's like any other human she has these things you know people irritate her or whatever it may be and, and she's reached out to me on a couple of occasions and asked me to come in and and try to help her with those things and to be able to take what we do in our recovery thing and bring that to the outside world really lets lets me know that man it, it's important that uh, we be able to translate this into life you know, um, and I get to watch, I get to watch Ryan do it frequently. 
um, because of the amount of friends and, and, and family that he has. I mean, four brothers, a mom, you know, and a ton of friends in this area and him getting to watch and get to bring that to them and them be like, huh, you know, and there's probably a bunch of them that'll hear this, right? We're just watching him. It's been pretty cool. Um, how has that looked with all that? How has that looked um, in your life? Because your wife's not one of us, so obviously she has her source of friends, right? Um, I'm guessing you have your own source of friends that aren't all just in recovery. You're a very uh, sociable guy. How does that translate hours do you feel compelled to be as as excited as you are when you're around us or is it something that you temper down and kind of play play the room i think i'm quiet no by nature yeah. the german side of me <laughs> go i had a, i had an uncle that didn't come out of the basement for many many years probably like they didn't have a term for it back then from the war world war one but uh, yeah, I'm actually very quiet around the mixed crowd. And uh, one of the reasons is, unless you know the people can handle it, stuff we talked about tonight, yeah. you know, isn't your normal everyday yeah. topics, yeah. right? But that's also the beauty of it is everything that we did talk about tonight is available to anyone. It doesn't matter if you're in recovery or not. Everybody's addicted to something, if not the human mind mm. and your overbearing <laughs> ability to worry, right? So this is good for anybody, will work for anybody, and is really just a win-win-win in all different angles. So, but yeah, I, I don't mind getting into it, but I don't find amongst the earth people this comes up as much, yeah. right? So, but... Yeah, it's more like a uh, what, the f what the fuck is going on? What's up? Yeah, like what's really behind the curtain? It's like no, this is really it. This is By the same token, I've had friends for years. They know they're not in the program, but they know if they want to talk, yeah. they're just called. They'll know. I'll just give them a an ear to listen to and give them some spiritual advice. Not that I'm ordained or anything. They know I'm just like, I play one in AA yeah. and I'll just do it on that level. And a lot of people like that. You don't have to, you know, be so formal about it and can just take a half hour. Everybody needs that. Yeah. Everybody needs a little love. Everybody <laughs> needs handlers. <laughs> maybe we'll get, maybe we'll bring back the old, uh, spiritual advisor term. Hmm. What, um, how's that been for you, Ryan? Like, I, I know, uh, My friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I came out the gate strong. I was like, yo, God, <laughs> fuckers real, man. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Save my life. And then, um, you know, I wanted to like, dude, it was so exciting to me. Like, it was so exciting when I found God. I was like, holy shit, and everybody can have this too? I'm like, dude, let's go. And then when I found out that like I wasn't going to you know, save the world, I was like, all right. Like we said, we feel ourselves to be a maximum service to others. So when, all right, and if I trust in God, then those, will, those opportunities will come to me. And I don't need to do much to put it out there. Okay. So when they do come, and they have come. Yeah. They tend to pull me aside 
and I have like the most beautiful in-depth like depth and weight conversations with my friends and my family that I've never had before on a one-on-one basis and it's in those moments where I'm like yeah okay gotcha I see now I don't gotta do much ever to put this out there right like this was just like a grassroots idea. Mm-hmm. Boom, let's do it. See what it turns into. It turns into this. Yeah. Um, and just walking this life and, and living this life, like actually living it. Yeah. People are attracted and drawn to it. So when it's time for like the God talk or, you know, like my friends have had losses and they want to talk about God or, the, or whatever, then that's... Yeah. That's the where I, I serve. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that up mostly is because to me, that's where my interest gets peaked towards um, how much broader, because you've hinted at that to me in conversation. And you mentioned it earlier about how maybe the calling is just bigger than just AA. AA being an obvious part of it. But the calling being a little bit bigger of that it as has well, to be, yeah. right? Um, and that's and that's man, I fucking think that is crazy cool if that is going to be a part of this, right? Being able to help on a level outside of AA as well, right? Because I there's nothing to me greater than sitting knee to knee with an individual, another alcoholic or. Or an addict, but holy cow, I still get the same thing when I'm talking to that individual who is just seeking some relief or some freedom from the same thing we really are, and that's the bondage of self, right? And they and they don't know how. How fucking cool is it that this drunk crackhead over here can help somebody like that, right? And and they don't have to be the drunk that they could just be an individual who might be able to hear something at that time. I'm just going to pass this little meme around to y'all real quick just so y'all can laugh at it. (laughs) I'll post it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I just, that's what, that's what, where that came from is just that idea of how cool that broadness may I mean, because you want to talk about having a whole new idea about what this journey can look like. Well, as you know, the original 12-step, one of the few changes they made in the book before they published it, said we try to carry this message to others, especially alcoholics, mm. practicing mm. principles. So it was written to, without forcing it, open to anybody. All we, they did in AA or in the 12 Steps was find a neat little way formula to get where everybody's been trying to get for many, many years, right? They just found a way in there. The spirituality of imperfection, a wise man once called it. Hmm. All right. (laughs) I'm going to bed. Yeah. (laughs) That was literally all I got. That was fucking awesome. Can't can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming out. Yeah, man. Beautiful. Fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I'll send y'all a bunch of pictures, and you send some pictures, too, because all three of us are skiers, so. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to, uh... You going anywhere soon? No, I haven't skied in a while. 
I would like trying to, to get him convinced for next some, year. I'll send you some 4K picks. Yeah. I'm trying to get him uh, convinced to maybe be a part of something next year. Yeah. I'd like to do one more Western yeah. swing. So we may have to put something together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. But thank y'all. Love you guys. Thank you. Love you.